Well, good morning, good morning. I'm Brian Agavino, the lead pastor. It's great to be with you as uh, we continue in our series in the book of Mark. We started Mark last September, and eventually next Easter, actually, we'll uh, finish up Mark. But today we're going to be in chapter 4. If you want to follow along, if you go to the summitstl.info, there's a card there called Sermon Notes, and all the things that I'm going to be sharing with and the passage and everything is there this morning. But I want to start with the beginning of our passage this morning, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and just read it for us. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Awesome God, what we know not this morning, please teach us. What we have not, please give us. And what we are not, please make us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I shared with you before that one of my favorite movies is the movie Family Man. We watch it every Christmas. It's the story of a guy who seemingly has it all, and he has this encounter with an angel, whatever you want to call it, and the angel decides to give him a glimpse of what his life would be like another way. And after this glimpse of seeing what his life could be like, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, he decides to try to rebuild this relationship with this girl that he lost so many years ago. And I think there's something about this movie for me that makes me really think about my own life. That's why I like watching it. It's kind of this moment for me to go, what do I need to change? It's this moment of reflection of, What's in my life that I wish was different, that needs to be transformed, that needs to be different? So I don't know why it works that way for me, but there's something about needing a story or a picture or some kind of experience to break through the noise of this life to help me see things differently. Jesus was the master of using stories to break through the noise of life. We call them parables. Parables are gripping ways to create tension, to stir people to something, to, to confuse the listener, and if we are willing, if the listener is willing to take the time to see the world in a whole new way. I'm curious for us all this morning, are we willing to take the time, to let the words of Jesus stir us, cause tension in us, 
maybe even confuse us. To ponder, to reflect, to ask for wisdom so that we might not just see the world in a different light, but as we just sang, see the world as God does. I get it. (laughs) I'm like you. I mean, let's be somewhat transparent here. The Bible can be hard to read sometimes. It it, it is literature from thousands of years ago. And and I, just like you, when I read it sometimes, I'm confused. I don't always get what's going on. But I wonder if part of the reason we don't is because we're not willing to take the time to think about it, to ponder it, to let it be a mirror to our hearts, to reflect how maybe we don't see the world and life the way God does. In Mark 4, we have what is considered by many to be the watershed power parable that Jesus tells. One of many that he tells, there's just a few that are in the Gospel of Mark, but there are many, many parables all throughout all the Gospels. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. Some like to say it's a parable also of the soils. And there is a lot going on here. At first glance, it may seem like a simple farming story. Farmer goes out, throws out some seeds in four different places. Three are not so great, and one is great. But what's interesting about this is that the disciples don't really get it, so they ask Jesus for an explanation. And I want to read for you Jesus' explanation. Here's what Jesus says in verse 10. And when when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones who sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And I imagine Jesus saying at the end, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, When I ask someone to explain something, when I say to you, hey, I don't quite understand what you're talking about, can you bring more clarity? We talk about the word clarity all the time as a staff team. Let's make sure what we're saying is clear. Can we point something out here? If we're really engaging what Jesus just said, Jesus makes this parable even more unclear than it was the very first time he told it. That actually what he does in his explanation of this parable is to stir up only more questions that we might be saying, wait a second, Jesus, what are you, hang on, 
I'm just going to tell you a few that came up for me. When he says the word, what does he mean? Is he saying the scripture? Or is he referring to what most of the gospel writers talk about when they say the word? Him? That he is the word? The word of God? Who's the sower? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Is it us? That's what I've heard, that we're the sowers, that we sow the seed. Then it gets a little darker. Well, what soil are you saying, I am Jesus? And how do I know? And can I change my soil? Like if I'm rocky, can I be good? Can I become good? And why did you say that the parables are hidden in some people to some and not to others? Are they hidden to me? So do the first three soils even know Jesus? If the seed is taken away, does that mean they can lose their relationship with God? And then Jesus said, 30, the fruit, there would be fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. What does that even mean? Uh, Even back then, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, that concept and idea for farming people would have been confusing and and a little bit tension-grabbing for them. And then I wonder, has my life changed that much since I started following Jesus? See, the disciples asked a great question here. They said, Jesus, what do you mean? And in some ways, Jesus makes it, I would argue, even more challenging and confusing and tension-bringing if we're allowing him to speak to us. And I want to ask the question, why? Why does Jesus do that? Why, in some ways, even though Jesus brings some clarity here, is there even more questions and some crypticness to what he's talking about? And I, I think this is one of the most important principles that we can begin to grasp when it comes to the parables that Jesus teaches all throughout Scripture, and that is this. That what Jesus is ushering into this world is so radically different than anything we've ever heard or conceived of, that he has to do it in a way that challenges his listeners to go, what? And really dig into it. That that what Jesus is trying to do here is he can't just show up on the scene and say, you know what it means to follow me? Pray a prayer, go to church, read your Bible, you're good. And let's be a little bit transparent here, that's what we've made it. Now, the gospel is a simple thing. I don't want to try to say that there, you know, the simplicity of it, there's a beauty in the simplicity of it. But I wonder if in the way that we've made it simple, we've lost the beauty and the radicalness of what Jesus is inviting us and calling us to. I wonder if we've lost sight of how incredible Jesus is talking here about this kingdom that is about to come forth through his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return. You see, Jesus, what he's trying to do, he's speaking in this way to break through the noise of this life so that we might hear the music of the gospel. And the music of the gospel is so different than any music we've ever heard He has to speak in parables and stories in a way that really make us challenge how we understand, think about life. 
Let's press in just a little bit. A couple of ways I was processing this this week. Some things that I think we would all say about the way of Jesus. Some words that we use in, in church all the time. We talk about love. We talk about grace. We talk about humility. Well, the way of Jesus is love. Is love simple? Do we have a sacrificial love for others that costs us? That doesn't just cost us, but it costs us dearly in how we love other people. Do we love our enemies at a cost to ourselves? The way of Jesus is grace. Is grace simple? Giving people what they need, especially when they don't deserve it? When is the last time that someone bothered you, frustrated you, disappointed you, and your response to them was to be gracious. The way of Jesus is humility. Is humility simple? Do we live humble lives? Or do we feel like we have all the answers to everything and like Jesus was, or like DJ was confessing? I, that's like the third time in a year I've done that. <laughs> we think everyone needs to be like us. If you were just more like me. Are our hearts satisfied in God alone so that we can't wait to worship with fellow worshipers of Jesus, fellow followers of Jesus? Is it simple to be satisfied in God? There's something terrifying about this parable. Jesus told parables to hide the truth from hard-hearted, self-righteous people. People who think they have it figured out. People who think they know exactly what it means to follow him, to exactly what it means to be a part of his kingdom. And before he even explains it, he says, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. This power, power, powerful going back to the book of Isaiah where Basically, what Jesus is saying is he's saying this. He's, he's trying to help us understand that this kingdom, again, why is Jesus talking parables? Why does he do it this way? Because there's something that is so incredibly different about the way he wants us to understand life that he has to bring us to this place of going, wait, 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 wait. This isn't just, I, I need to think about this completely different. What are you really trying to say? And we have to let his word, what he's saying, really press in on our hearts and lives. Uh, the metaphor I thought of was like this. Think about receiving a gift. So when we receive a gift, isn't it a little nicer to receive a gift that's beautifully wrapped versus a gift in a Walmart bag? We would all agree. Walmart bag, maybe not as nice. And it's the wrapping of the gift that calls us, that begs us to see the beauty of the gift. So too, the parables, what Jesus is doing, is he's wrapping the beauty of the kingdom, 
for us to see. And what he's saying here, which is challenging to, should be challenging to us all, is he's saying that the spiritually blind, those who are without humble, teachable faith, are blind to the glory that is wrapped in that gift. They, they, they see it more like a Walmart bag. It's, it's plain wrapping, and because there isn't true faith in their hearts, there's not a longing to receive what's inside. They might find a certain attraction to the simple stories that we read in Scripture, the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Father and the Two Sons. But there's not a receiving of what's inside. The mysteries of the kingdom, the king of the kingdom, are hidden to them. But those who believe, on the other hand, are shown something as they unwrap this gift about the king and the kingdom that is so beautiful that in discovering that, that gift that is inside becomes so immeasurably amazing that they can't help but give up everything for that seed and that gift. Jesus says, those who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in his parable, as he unpacks for his disciples, he gives three poignant and or sobering reasons why we might not have ears to hear the gospel. And so let's look at those three reasons. Let's look at those three soils, if you will, that he talks about. And the first reason he gives for why we might not hear the music of the gospel is that we miss the spiritual battle that's happening. So in verse 4, he says, And he sowed some, as, as he sowed the sower, some fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then he explains it to his disciples in verse 15, and he says, And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. I wonder how much we think about the spiritual reality that exists in our world. How, how much do you, how much do I, think about the reality that Satan is working, that there is a spiritual aspect to what's happening in life? Sometimes I think it's easy for me to, to go into this, in our scientific, logical world to rationalize away spiritual things. There's a famous line in a movie where one of the characters said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And I think this moment, Jesus is actually saying something really important about what this parable is about. And what he's saying is the devil recognizes and realizes the power of the seed. Hear that again, because it's really important for how we're going to come to conclusion here this morning. What we see here is, why would the devil care about the seed? Why does he come in and take away the seed? It's because he sees and recognizes the power of the seed. Quick observation in this entire parable, the seed is where the power is. On the rocky ground, in the thorns, and in the good soil, Jesus says the seed sprang up 
that there's something that happened because of the seed. There's something powerful and beautiful about the seed. And the reason we don't have ears to hear sometimes is because the devil comes and takes it away. Well, the second reason Jesus gives for why we miss the power of the seed, something I'll teach you today, maybe for the first time, we'll see a cultural thing. We'll call it the phobo battle, the phobo battle. So maybe some of you have heard, my generation heard a lot this word FOMO. So FOMO is the fear of missing out, that there's this idea that I'm afraid of getting involved in things or being a part of things or going to do something because if I do, I'm going to miss out on something that's better. And now there's this new four-word acronym that our younger generation uses, which is the insidious twin of FOMO called FOBO, which is the fear of better options, the fear of better options. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about with this soil. He's saying, this soil shows up and, and the seed comes in and they're like, whoa, man, that worship was amazing. Jesus is incredible. Holy cow. And then they go home and they're like, oh, I wonder if there's something better out there. And they start looking for better things. And, and we live, I mean, let's be fair to younger generation here. This is true of all of us, that, that we live in this mindset of, what if following Jesus isn't the best way? What if there are better options out there that will give me the hope and the joy and the freedom and the life that I want? And this is what happens on the rocky ground. We jump in head first and there's a taste of joy, but the reality of the upside-down kingdom that Jesus is beginning to unveil, where weakness is needed, where suffering happens, phobo creeps in. <laughs> and we begin to look around for better options. And then there's a third reason. Mark 4, verse 7 Jesus said, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And then he explains it in verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Maybe, it's just me, but I wonder if for us that is the most concerning soil of all. I mean, let's do a quick inventory right now. You guys know I like inventories. I like us to reflect internally, so let me press on our hearts just a little bit. Right now, are you more excited about being fed in the presence of Jesus or what's for lunch? Are you more concerned about your work this upcoming week or about learning and engaging in the work of the kingdom? Are you more interested in making and enjoying money than you are in enjoying and experiencing the generosity of God to you and Jesus? A 
couple of weeks ago as we jumped back into Mark this year, I, I talked about our need to slow down and enjoy God's presence. Maybe the reason we struggle to hear is we're just too busy. Maybe just one more probing question. When is the last time that something about the way you viewed and understood life was changed because of your interaction with God? I mean, think about this. This is what this parable is talking about. When was the last time that because of your worship here on Sunday, because of your hearing the word of God, because of reading the word of God at home, alone, in community group, when is the last time that something about the way you understood life, the way you understood what the meaning of life was meant to be, was drastically changed because of your encounter of Jesus. Jesus is telling parables because he wants to introduce to us a way of life that is so radically different, so significantly beyond anything we can imagine or think, and he's going to do that over and over by pressing in on our lives. So when is the last time that that happened for you and for me? When was the last time how you spent your time was drastically impacted. The way that you loved was drastically impacted. The way that you used your money, that you viewed people, that you understood a doctrine or theology or a view of scripture. When is the last time your politics or your sex life or your family was impacted because of your experience of Jesus? Now, now in fairness, I, I think a lot of our journey with Christ is a slow process of change and in, in, and impact, but at the same time, we should be hearing the challenge of this passage on our hearts to say, is the way of Jesus becoming my way of life? You see, Jesus was probing on the hearts of his hearers and disciples to make them reflect on their soil. But what's interesting is that's still not what's radical about this parable. Remember, he tells parables to shake people up. And so in some ways, I think even in this moment, we're like, yep, that makes sense. He told these three, okay, we could be one of these three. But I want to, pun intended, keep digging. Look at what Jesus says at the end of the parable. Verse 8, he says, other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he explains it by saying, but those that were sown on the good soil, the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold, and 60-fold, and 100-fold. It's strange language, that 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. We don't actually get it. It's farming language in some ways. But I would argue that even in that culture, there was a wondering about what did Jesus mean about that? To plant one seed and have it go 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, did that mean that that one seed was going to make 100 trees? Is that what Jesus is saying here? It's interesting. I was just doing a little bit of Bible study. The one time that we see in the Old Testament this language used is with Isaac, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And the language there used about Jake, uh, or Isaac is that 
in this time of famine, God says to him, in your trust of me, I'm going to bless you. And in that blessing, you will reap 30, 60, and 100 fold. That, that there's this picture, and I think the Israelites would have understood this. They would have been thinking about that, that basically what Jesus is saying, if you allow me to do a work in your life, then you will be blessed where the whole world will look and say, wow, something very unique is happening to that person. Now, it's interesting that I would argue, even back to the farming culture here, is that they would be thinking that in some ways this story may be about the soil, but at the same time they would also be thinking about the seed. That what Jesus is trying to really bring forth for his hearers here is the seed and the power of the seed. That this must be one significantly powerful seed. I'm curious, what do you think the seed is? I'll offer you what I think. I think Jesus is saying to us that the seed, the word, it's not just hearing the Bible. I think that's often what we think it is. That, okay, Jesus is saying, when you read the Bible, when you talk about the Bible, which are great things and are good for our souls, that it will bear fruit in your life. I think Jesus is saying, I am the seed that will bear fruit. I am the powerful one who can break into your life. And if the soil is good, produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. When he breaks into the soil of our lives, if, our, if we're hearing what he has to say, we will be transformed in a way that will bear the fruit of his radically different, unique, upside-down kingdom to where freedom and life is found. And Jesus is saying that his power will bear the fruit 30, 60, 100 fold beyond what we could ever imagine or think. My friends, we were never meant to do the work of the Christian life. The hope of glory is the beauty of Christ in us that he becomes the one to grow and produce and change and transform us in a way that bears fruit a hundredfold, that leads us to love, that leads us to humility, that leads us to grace, not just in our own experience, but in our experience and impact in life with others. Christ in you, that's the fruit that bears a hundredfold. We're not called to do a work, we're called and invited to hear so that Jesus can bear that fruit in our lives. You see, we're the soil, and Jesus is the seed, and the Father is the gardener. And this is the beauty of this entire message for me. And I ask you to really press in, if you could, as, as we close here. That maybe when I was talking about the spiritual battle, or the phobo battle, or, or that battle within with the worries of the world. That something in your heart was stirring and maybe there was some conviction and maybe there was a desire 
for you to experience repentance because it leads us to this question of this longing to say, God, I want to be the good soil. How? How can I, I? I worry about the world. I worry about missing out. And I believe that the practical and beautiful invitation for us this morning is not for us to say, I now need to, I got to get these rocks out of my garden and I need to get the thorns out of my garden. But the good soil is the one who comes and like Duane was saying at the beginning, who falls on his knees before God and says, God, I have rocks in my garden. <laughs> I have thorns in my life and my longing is to be the good soil to experience the 30, 60, 100 fold. And what you'll hear in that confession is Jesus to come wrap his arms around you and say in the most compassionate way, my beloved, I already took your thorns when I went to the cross and I already took your rocks when they hid me behind one. So come and experience the great love and grace and humility that I have for you so that you might become the one that I long you to be. My friends, Jesus, following Jesus isn't like following anyone or anything else in the world. And if it has become comfortable for us, let me invite you to hear and ponder and reflect and to open our ears to Jesus. Let him who hears have ears to hear. Let's pray. Almighty awesome God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus that is breaking into this world to bring his kingdom because real life and joy and hope can be found in him. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this moment to do a work in the soil of our lives. And might we become a people who bear the fruit of 30, 60, 100-fold, not in our own power, but in our weakness. Pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.